right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Yungari Gold, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade. John, how is your Friday morning? It's good. I am up here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, watching Yeah, watching my parents' dog. They have an 18-year-old dog. Mm. This dog is ancient. Um and my mom has not left the dog alone in over a year. And my dad's like, we're retired. I want to go on a cruise. Please come watch the dog. So then okay. I'm up here in Tennessee being a good, good son and, you know, taking care of this geriatric dog that eats pretty well. Like she gets hot dogs and hamburgers. And my parents left me money to go get her Chick-fil-A. He, they're like, you got to get a Chick-fil-A like three times a week. I'm like, okay. I, I, if I die, I want to come back as a dog, dude. Like, I mean, it'd be it'd be an interesting life, that's for sure. Um, you know, dogs have it good. Cats have it good too. I don't know if I'd rather be a cat or a dog. Um, I have a special love for dogs than I do that I don't have for cats. But then I think about when I watch my cat or my wife's cat and what they do all day, and I think to myself, <laughs> I don't really know who could not want that life as you just lay in my bed for twelve hours. You know. And cats get away with being jerks, too. So that is yeah. a fair point. Like, yeah. a cat can be a jerk all day, but it's, like, sweet for five minutes, and you love it for that five minutes. Yeah. And that's all it takes. Uh, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. Or as a dog wants to be by your side all the time. So, I don't know. Maybe. I do like my independence, but that's a fair point. Uh, yeah, I mean, the independent aspect is is probably the most appealing, but um, <laughs> probably gets lonely at some times. Um, all right, John. So originally we were supposed to have Brandon uh, from SQ uh, Cognition on the test or on the show today. Uh, obviously, there's some stuff going on with S2 right now. He has a couple tasks he's got to take care of um, and he won't be joining us today. So uh, this is rescheduled for sometime next week. Uh, he wanted to do this afternoon, but I have a tea time. Um, and um, so. Yeah, and I think it's a good segue. So supposedly, supposedly all of the test scores have been leaked. I have a hard time believing these are the actual test scores. And it's only because of how I've been explained that this test works as far as from a team perspective. So the way I understand it, Teams individually employ S2 to come on and, te- and, and test draft prospects, right? So, you know, 10 to 15 teams have tested, you know, however many um, draft prospects there are out there. And they, you know, they get the results. So it's not public. S2 obviously has them and then the team gets them, right? Now, if the team decides to share with the agents or whoever, Maybe they do. I doubt they do. Uh, I, I can't see a scenario where that would be the case. This is something that the teams pay for, right? So since they pay for it, it's it's their information. It's something that they get to have. Um, I can't see them banding together, I guess, and leaking individual scores. So that's the main reason why I can't think – I don't believe that these leak scores are accurate is because that would mean that multiple teams leaked the information not just one unless one team 
tested Bryce Young, Jake Hayner, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, Clayton Toon, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, and CJ Stroud, which I guess technically is possible. Uh, I don't see it being likely, uh, just given you know the potential cost of, of each. I, you know, you guys look online and see 180 for an S2 test. If I had to bet for an NFL franchise, it's likely a group testing. They probably pay for a certain amount of tests. I don't think that it would be like I'm thinking of it from an enterprise level. If they're selling S2, you know, they really aren't going to gain a ton of revenue if they are going out and selling individual tests to a team. They're probably selling some form of package. Well, I mean, everything, everything now, of course, it's done digitally. So I'm sure there is a central whatever that has database or whatever that has all the tools, all, all the tools. And for those of you that aren't aware, about an hour ago, Bob McKit McGinn, McGinn, M-C-G-I-N-N, with a golongtd.com, um, which is ran by Tyler Dunn. And we're big fans of Tyler Dunn. Tyler Dunn's great. Yep. Yep. I don't know about his website. I don't know Bob, Bob McGinn. But he apparently got a hold of the scores and he reported them. Um, with that, these scores are kind of kind of crazy if there's any truth to them. Now, the thing that I would say that would kind of give, I mean, would almost make me believe believe that these are real, or I guess like the extra context for it is all the shit that you've been hearing about CJ Stroud all week. So for for comparison, Bryce Young got a 98%. Will Levis got 93. CJ Stroud got 18. That's 1-8. If this is accurate, like, either he didn't care or there is something to be concerned about. Now, he went to Ohio State. Um, I imagine that there's, like, a minimum academic, but it is football. There's got to be something more to this, right? There's got to be. Yeah, there's got to be. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know the last time we saw a character assassination for a draft prospect as high as the one we're seeing currently from C- uh, on C.J. Stroud uh, in, in years. I, I Honestly, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time. The last time that there was actually no facts to back any of the, the character assassination, I can't, I can't, I can't remember a time. Um, that this has come up the way that it has for CJ Stroud. I wonder where it's coming from. You know, a lot of times when these things are coming out, there's, there's reasons it's not. And, and the reasons aren't to actually assassinate the character. There's other reasons that are selfish, uh, whether it be team specific, agent specific, whatever it may be uh, easily could be the Colts trying to get Stroud to drop to them at four could be the Raiders at, at seven. Like there's just, there's so many different paths that this could come from. Um, you know, well, the I mean, there's a good, there's a, there's a lot of similarities to other quarterback prospects in the past. Um, I mean, this is like the, the wonder, Wonderlink fiasco a few years back where everybody was reporting about how bad certain quarterbacks did on it versus, you know, how good others did. Like, so it's very, very similar. Like that's the thing with these cognitive t- tests. Um, now, I don't know what the S2 actually tests. What what is this cognition test? 
so yeah, it's I I don't know how much I'm allowed to get into. Um, that's kind of why I was hoping Brandon would be here for this conversation. I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal my test results. I I'll reveal one, um, and then we'll wait till Brandon. Uh, only one I'm gonna reveal is is just the funniest one because I tested super elite in one category and actually outscored Patrick Mahomes. Um, now that means nothing, right? It, everybody's brain works different. That's the point of this test. Um, now, do I know if I actually outscored Patrick Mahomes? I don't. It was just the guy that administered the test. Maybe he was joking. Um, but those tests are so. For example, John, let's let's think about a baseball field. Let's let's pretend you're sitting behind. Um, let's say you're sitting behind a catcher at Minute Maid, and there are a batter's box. There's no catcher. There's a pitcher and and, and a batter. Pitcher throws the ball. Batter swings. As soon as the ball makes contact with the bat, it disappears. And you have to project the trajectory of the ball as far as left, right, middle. And then it shows you when you select where, where you, where your thought is compared to where it actually was going. So, like, that's one test. Um, so... You know, this test is, it, it's an interesting test. It really is. Um, I learned a ton about myself. Um, where The one I scored really good in, which would, will probably shock everybody, was impulse control. Um, what? Right. That's, that, that's what I mean. Like, uh, I am not the one that, uh, you know, I, I think I'm pretty reactionary at times. I think even people who have known me or, or listened to me for a while would probably agree that uh, I could be a little reactionary. I know. Uh, I mean, if, if you did well on <laughs> impulse control, I am suddenly doubting the science behind this test. I think that's like, fair. That, uh, that is, I mean, to be clear, if, if I if I focus on something, <laughs> I can do something like I it's mean, the, I mean, we've talked, I don't care. We've talked about our ADHD in, in the past. And right? I wasn't on my medicine, by the way. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Were you on medicine or did you like, or maybe, maybe you were just hyper-focused on it, but still, wow. Um, I'm just going to read the website. Um, pretty much five components make up the complete picture of the human performance. While physical attributes such as strength and speed help prospects stand out, their unique cognitive abilities and in-game decision-making, their instincts are what truly separates the good from the great. S2 defines what was once undefinable. The S2 eval uncovers an athlete's invisible skill and sets the whys behind their performance. Yeah. I mean, I mean it makes sense. In, in theory, I kind of get, like, I, 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 I had no idea about S2. I did not understand the big deal about it. And I really probably wouldn't have cared until yeah. I saw that he got a 19%. So now I'm interested. Like, how do you get a 19%? For, for me, I don't believe that. Either A, it's just he didn't, or B, is this like the same with like the, the Manning camp thing controversy, supposedly? He he just blew it off, essentially. I what do you think is more likely? With that test, like I, I think more what's most likely is that test score is wrong. Mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm I being agree. honest, 
I don't I don't know I, I, I don't know how to read my results. I have them, but I don't know how to read them. I know I got like an 89%, which which ended up being elite in one category, and then the other ones I was average. Um mm-hmm. those other ones were honestly two out of the three that I took, I didn't actually comprehend or I wasn't able to actually get what I want. Like I wasn't able to see it the way that I needed it, needed to see it to be able to get the proper score on two of the topics. So I think if this is the first time CJ Stroud took the test, maybe he, he, he just, he didn't do well, maybe. Um, But I mean, maybe it's just not a, you know, maybe everybody's brain works different. It's super important to really understand that. The mm-hmm. way you process things and the way I process things are two totally different ways. Like I approach it in two in another way than you do. This test is really about telling you how you think, how you process, how you react, uh, how how in control of your emotions you are, how erratic you can be. Those are really what it's here for. So I, I can't see a scenario where CJ Stroud scored an eighteen percent. I do see yeah. a scenario where maybe he scored a, the lowest score. But honestly, John, if you go into this test and you just don't give a shit or you don't think it's that important and you just kind of go through without actually stopping, focusing only on that test, I think everybody would fail. Um, and I think okay. ultimately that's that's what it boils down to. So so maybe that's how he approached it. I don't know. Um, Here's a little bit more of a breakdown. Uh, again, this is just stuff that is online. Again, for people listening, if... I mean, I'd put it up on the screen for YouTube if I could, but there's visual processing, rhythm and timing, motor control, and instinctive learning. Over that, you get a percentile. So it's a percentile, not an actual score. It's where you are scored in comparison to everybody else. For perception speed, trajectory estimate, rhythm control, timing control, distraction control, impulse control, stopping control, instinctive learning, and then you do get a total. So with this and with the sample one, uh, an individual had 70s, 53%, a 98%, a 77%, an 82, a 46, a 23, and a 64 across all the different categories, but they gave them an overall score of a 61. So how they actually put everything together and what percentile it actually pops out. There may be some things on there that he just absolutely crushed and some things that he did really, really bad. It could be, I mean, the fact that they have impulse control and distraction control, it could be something with like ADHD too and not having your medicine. Like there's, there's no, there's really no telling from our behalf. And you're going to see a lot of stuff today because I mean, Based on this, like just getting a score that low, definitely something. All the other things that are going out about CJ Stroud, there seems to be, in my opinion, that people are looking for excuses for him to not go number two. And people are trying to protect them, protect themselves. Now, this could be his own camp being told that, hey, dude, you may not go number two. And they're just trying to say, hey, okay, well, let's put these other things out so they don't think it's athletic. They think it's character. Yeah. And a team will be more likely to take a chance on him and look at how great he does based on that, um, where they're not just trying to, to downplay his 
his abilities. But again, I mean, it could be the Texans, but for years we've heard about how tight-lipped the Texans are, and all, all of a sudden they, they leak. Well, like, they also don't that was some, subscribe some, to the that was some of the fresh – do what? They don't, they don't subscribe to the S2. They're, they're one of the teams that is not a part of the S2 program in any form or fashion. Okay. They don't employ S2. Uh, it's, they do another test. So um, I, it's not the Texans. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just saying out there like that are helping pushing like these narratives and stuff like that. Whereas I just can't see the, the Texans actually doing it because part of the frustration that other reporters and national reporters have had with the Texans is they don't leak. So we sit here and everybody makes up these theories about what the Texans are doing and everybody's always wrong, which, you know, leads to an additional level of frustration. So who, I mean, I don't, there's just, there really is an actual effort to give him a legitimate reason to slip past number two. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, look, maybe it's, maybe it's the Colts and they're just hoping he'll drop. Maybe, maybe. I, I think when it comes to CJ Stroud, the question marks for CJ are, are, are a couple things. And I think they're totally fair. One, you played at a school and, and it has nothing to do with the offensive scheme. So that's definitely not where I'm going. I, I think it's pretty stupid to say Ohio, all Ohio state quarterbacks suck. I think that's pretty, a, a pretty dumb way to scout a prospect. I will say that when you have Marvin Harrison, Jr., Chris Olave, JSN, a top, you know, maybe the best offensive line, a good running back, I'm missing a wide receiver. Uh, who's the other one? Uh, is it Garrett Wilson? Um, right. It, either way. Here? No, they were. He was drafted by the Jets. There's another wide receiver. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Garrett Wilson was the Jets. Yeah. No. 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 I know. I'm talking about college. Uh, oh, CJ Stroud in um, college. I know he had Alave. He had Marvin yeah, Harrison. Slot Smith receiver. Jr. A really good slot receiver. He had uh, Jason. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not going to. Either way, it it really doesn't matter. I think it's really hard for you to project what he can be due to the amount of talent he had and also the simplification of his reads in that offense. Mm -hmm. Now, add to the fact that you have, like, and this has nothing to do with Deshaun. I think it's more now, David is so powerful and David is, is capable of doing a lot of different things that we've seen over the years with the NFL that I think there is hesitation around CJ because of how David's clients tend to move. We're, we're seeing him with Buda Baker now, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Deshaun Watson. Like, there is somewhat of a track record to kind of have an understanding of how, and whether David's wrong or right, that's neither here or there. David's mm-hmm. empowering his, his, his team or his players to do what is right for them. And the NFL's never seen that before. NFL's right. always been very much, you're going to do what I say, and if not, you're going to be screwed. But I think there is some reservation in that sense. Um, so, you know, and then David's also the one that negotiated the fully guaranteed $230 million contract. The first ever fully guaranteed $230 million contract for Deshaun Watson. I I mean, there are rumors that all of the NFL owners were not a fan of that contract, right? Yeah. So, And I mean, it's also how he put themselves in a the position to get that contract, too. Right, right. So there's – this is – I'm not, David's doing his job. Like this 100%, is not, this 100%. is what he should do. And we've, we've talked about it before. Where oh, he'd be my agent in a heartbeat. Yeah. And first instinct, 
is especially what these teams do to these players. Like we want them to get paid. We want right. them to have a strong agent. Like I don't want to trash a player because they are aligned with an agent that is actually looking out for that player's best interest, not the teams. Like I get it. Like there's this weird thing with the NFL, especially, and even, even among us with like, with fandom where we want these players to be loyal to a team. No, yeah. these two players do need to be loyal to themselves. They need to be loyal to their families. Like that really should. And that's what he's doing is he's putting them in that position to do so. Yeah. Um, and his, and his tactics, like they're, they work. they're getting results where other agents have not been able to do that. And again, just, we talked about it a little bit last week is look at Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, should be deserving of a very nice contract, but he's trying to do it without an agent and he can't even get that. So again, it's not default the agent, but I can yeah. definitely see where the owners are pushing, would push back on it. Cause the NFL is a cartel. Like they absolutely are. They are the most, these guys are the richest men, some of the richest men in America. Uh, yep. Most of them do not want publicity. Um, and a lot of them you've never even heard of unless you're an actual fan of that team. If you go, yep. if you go to St. Louis and ask them who owns the Houston Texans, most people don't, don't know, don't care. Sure. And yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry. But, and they, and they work together. Like that's how they got wealth. That's, they know what they're doing. And if they are blackballing a guy, whether or not they all came together and agreed to do it, they they definitely they there's going to be alignment there where they they all know whether or not they've talked about it. They just know, like, hey, this guy's agent's a pain. Let's let's try not to if we don't have to. But at the same time, they have egos and they want to win too. So there's that yeah. fighting. I, I think um, when, when I look at David, I, I understand the sentiment and feeling around him within the city. Um, I really do. You know, as fans, you know, the, the franchise quarterback moved on, right? Um, but at the end of the yeah. day, if you look at the fights that David has actually taken on, you know, the NFL is the only league without 100% guaranteed NFL, or contracts, right? And it's the most violent sport. Compared mm-hmm. to NBA and, and MLB, there's, there's really no world where an actual person can make an argument that the NFL shouldn't be 100% and uh, guaranteed contracts, right? Because people's lives are on the line. We, we just saw it with DeMar Hamlin. You know, how are the mm-hmm. Bills going to take care of DeMar Hamlin for the rest of his life? We don't know. They can. They could do the right thing. But the likelihood is they don't, right? Then you look at the benefits after. So at the end of the day, I think David's actually just doing what is right uh, for the players, which is his job. Uh, I think the owners are, you know, and let's be honest, you know, all but one are white and old. So a black man having that power and being in that position probably scares the shit out of them um, because they don't want that to be the case. But at the end of the day, David's just doing what David's supposed to do and take a, take away your personal bias for how the Deshaun Watson, Watson situation was handled. He's really just fucking amazing at his job. I mean, let's just be honest. Like this guy is the fucking, maybe the goat, of agents I, I can't remember the last time an agent came in and changed the game or is changing the game and that's what david's doing so i i do think that maybe that plays a part into cj stroud um 
But, you know, at the end of the day, trust the film, trust your analysis, trust your scouting. I don't think this is going to affect any teams uh, when it comes to C.J. Stroud. Honestly, all this noise that we hear, they hear, but they don't pay attention to. They just hear it, right? Um, and so I, I think C.J. will be available whenever, you know, I, I think he could be available at four. I think he could be taken at two. I think everything is on the what table. he drops to 12? I think he could. <laughs> let's, just, well, let's, so- just, let's just throw that out there. Like, with all this stuff and all this smoke – and if something crazy, if he drops to 12, like what is your opinion of him at that point? Yeah, it, that's actually a great transition, John. That's a great transition into the, the type, like the, our topic of the show. What draft scenario can unite the Texans fan base? Because everybody is pretty much associated with or, or, or thinking that Bryce is going to Carolina. That seems to be a done deal. I don't believe it's a done deal. I think everything is still on the board. It wouldn't shock me if Anthony Richardson won one. But um, if Bryce Young does go one, what scenario or what scenarios could play out for the Texans that would potentially and finally unite this fan base to where everybody is happy and they believe that we're headed in the right direction? The first one you bring up, is that i don't know if it'll ever happen right john john play dude, john, dude. John, john john john, right. no, john just go let's, with let's, just go no, with me no, here. no. Okay. just go with I'll, me I'll, I'll give you a just second go with me. let's just go with me through the whole thing and do not deter off the path this is the path we are discussing okay um the scenarios i see and and, and let's break down the two sides of texans twitter and texans fan base right now one wants defense one wants quarterback. The one on the quarterback side is much louder, in my opinion, than the ones that want the defensive end or defense at two. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm also in – I'm not even in the defensive category. I want where whoever number two is ranked on their board, that's who I want. I don't, I don't really care anything else. I don't have – I have a preference of players, but I'm not going to let that be what deter – like what tells me to go down a certain path. So let's say Will Anderson at two and C.J. Stroud falls to 12, and the Texans select him. Do you think that that is a situation that would potentially, for at least maybe an hour, unite the fan base in a, to an extent to say, hey, this is, this, is, this is what we wanted? No. Okay, okay. Here's the, th- Here. here's the deal, and this is why I started laughing. There are definitely two to three types of like Texans fans. There's the casual yep. fan. Yep. There's the pace attention to what's on the TV and maybe what's on sports radio. And then there's the Twitter fandom. And let's remember JJ Watt. They have interviews of people crying and booing that we wasted a draft pick on JJ Watt. I am actually of the opinion at this point, and especially just, you know, getting back into Twitter, which I probably shouldn't have done that the more upset people are about the draft pick, I think that's going to be a better pick. <laughs> like, it's just, it's such it's such a mess. There's no unity right now. People are going to be upset unless the Texans do exactly what they as an individual think the Texans should do. Okay? Yeah. It's not whether or not anybody else's opinion, it doesn't matter if all the outside opinions give us like an A for the draft. If the Texans do not draft the players that they some of the louder voices want, yeah, they're going to be upset. Yeah, right, wrong, who knows? And 
if anything, this past six, seven years that we've been doing this, having these talks and talking about draft picks and so forth, the one thing that I will say is coming out of a draft, you don't really know how it went. Coming right. out of a year one, so this past draft class, we're still not 100% sure how it went. Every now and then you get a player that sparks and you're like, okay, that guy's definitely going to be a hit. But yep. it's going to take two or three years before you really know where you're at. Yep. Now, the thing with quarterbacks, and especially with quarterbacks, and I have said this actually since day one, this is one opinion that I have never changed my mind on, is quarterbacks do not get a chance to develop. So with quarterbacks, sometimes you get a player that just that just absolutely flashes right off the back, and you're like, that was definitely the right, right pick. Sometimes is very, very, um, when I say sometimes, I mean, that's almost, that's almost rare. Like there were people that were still doubting. um, There are still quarterbacks that have been taken recently that there are still people that are actually still like hard, hardcore fandom that they just need more of a chance. And then there's others that, people were so sure that this quarterback was going to be a bust and then they got better the next year. I mean, take Jalen Hurts. A year ago at this time, Philadelphia wanted him gone. They would have done anything. They wanted Deshaun Watson. That was all the Twitter rhetoric that Philly was not sold on Jalen Hurts. They were going to look to either get Deshaun Watson or draft a new quarterback. Year later, where are we at? Jalen Hurts, he's going to get paid. Look at even... I mean, even look at Davis Davis Mills, for instance. There's still a lot of people that may not be wrong on this that are still saying that he didn't have any weapons, that he didn't have a chance to develop, that why would you be excited about trading for Trey Lance when Davis Mills is essentially in a very similar position? Just they neither one of them have had a lot of playing time. And I'm not going to really come down on that because yeah, I, I to me – it doesn't really matter. I don't think we're going to continue with Mills. I think that they would have had some more positive things to say about him this offseason, unless they're yeah. just trying to pr- protect the number two pick, which I guess is a possibility. But I'm about uh, 95% sure Mills will not be the starting quarterback. Doesn't mean he's going to be on a different team. Doesn't mean he's going to be cut. But yeah, like I think that Robert Guerrero, I think that there, that is absolutely a fair argument to say we failed Mills. But at the same time, if he came back and started next year and he actually has some weapons around him and better coaching, um, who knows? Like, he would probably have a better season than he had this year. Because remember, his last few games of his rookie year, it looked like he had potential. You just, you don't really know with these quarterbacks. And you, the situation is, it, I mean... The situation matters a lot. Coaching matters a lot. The players around them matter a lot. Like Stroud, we could pass on him and he could just, he could go someplace and just light the world on fire. Um, Anthony Richardson could go someplace and light the world on fire. Bryce Young can go out there and look absolutely fantastic, which I think, again, everybody said that he's probably the safest, but size concerns are legitimate. Like he could go out there and just twist the wrong way. Like, and it has nothing to do with anything that could have ever been predicted. It could have nothing to do with, anything even with his size related yeah he could just go out there and get hurt and still be a bust because of it so with a lot of this stuff 
you just gotta almost ultimately like just every situation's different and I completely lost my with the final thought that I was gonna say on that how I was gonna wrap it up. But my, my point was essentially that we don't know and nobody's gonna be happy unless you do what unless the Texans do what you want them to do. I think I think there's uh, some truth to that. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it, to be honest with you, I'd say probably about 80%. Um, I do think that there's one player that would actually unite this fan base. And I think that's Bryce Young. Um, I think if some, for some reason, Carolina does not take Bryce Young at one, I think fans acr like across the fan base would actually say, we got the number one quarterback on the board. We feel good about it. I, there is a very, there is a much smaller percentage of the fan base that says not Bryce Young. I think it's very hard to argue that Bryce Young there's is some, not. There's there are some very vocal. There's some there very are. vocal people out there. Like I was that way. Bryce Young wouldn't unify the team, and instantly the, uh, the if the Pan, if the Panthers passed on Bryce Young and the Texans picked him. That still wouldn't unify the fan base. There would be people that would look at him and be like, "See, the Panthers. Why the Panthers pass on him? Is this good? Like, there's. I think you're there, right. There will I, definitely be. There will be questions, but there's no scenario where a hundred percent of the fan base says we're all in, no matter what, no matter what happens. That's just like that isn't what this is about. This is more about like what ultimately could start to really bridge the gap. I do think Bryce Young is the only player that could potentially bridge the gap because I do think he's viewed as the number one quarterback. I would say he's the safest quarterback as well. I think the only question is his size. And, yeah. and, and to me, and I seem to be the only one on this until I talked to Matt Waldman, his arm strength. While it's not alarming, it is not alarming. It is not below average, but it is average. And when you look at, you know, from hash to hash throws and things of that nature. Like those are throws that, that really worry me, but top prospect, in my opinion, at quarterback, safest bet, best path to, you know, get out of this situation that the Texans are in. I think that Bryce Young could be that, but I don't, well, honestly, me... if, if I'm being honest, I think this is how Nick approaches the draft. I don't know if Nick loves any of these quarterbacks. Right. I don't know the board. I don't know anything. I'll tell you this. Anybody that thinks they know anything, anything at all about the Texans and what they're going to do, they don't. They have no fucking clue. And, and look, I have friends that, you know, I talk to that I believe a lot. But ultimately, if they are told something, there's a reason. That, mm -hmm. that board is not coming out. Number two pick is not coming out. You'll find out on draft night, just like the rest of the media, just like everybody else outside of NRG. That's when you'll find out who the player is at two. So any of this stuff that you think you're seeing or hearing, just know there's no validity to any of that. It's a lot of opinion pieces and a lot of people searching for clout. And, and that just, that's just the world we live in. That's the way it is. Nothing against those people. That's how they build their platforms. Great. But nobody knows. So I say that to say Nick might not love any of these quarterbacks. He really might. But he does know and he's very aware that the fan base is screaming for a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if even Bryce goes or is available at two and Stroud goes one or AR goes one. Uh, you I, know think, what? I would actually, hold, I would actually hold, push hold back on, a little hold bit. On, let me finish. Oh. Let me finish this part. Let me finish okay. this part. Um, 
So if Stroud or AR go one and Bryce is available at two, I still could see Nick not drafting a quarterback. And he'll always have this in his pocket for when he addresses the media in the press conference that we ha- we had a quarterback we loved. Unfortunately, he went one. No matter what quarterback is there at two, he could very easily navigate that situation and say, hey, we had one. We wanted one. Unfortunately, the one we wanted was not available. Um, and so we were with the best player available at two, and that happened to be XYZ. I, I could easily see that being the case because that's out of his control at that point, and there, you really can't say anything. The only thing you can say is you should have won week 18, which I think is the dumbest argument to ever be made to sports. But um, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was actually going to push back just a little bit when I was talking about like the three tiers of fandom. I think for the most part, most of the fans, we get too wrapped up in the hardcore. We get too wrapped up in the Twitter. We get too wrapped up with the people that are active and out there with the loudest voice. But for the most part, I think like the regular fandom, like they think we have a quarterback. Like there's people that do not blame as a regular fans. Like I remember talking to some casual people that have gone to like one or two games and they're like, Davis Mills is fine. The team just sucks. Everybody sucks. Like that's kind of like their opinion. And I think that as long as like Nick coming out of the draft and all the PR they'll put around like the draft picks, most people are going to be happy. Like us having draft picks is going to give people hope. Um, regardless of who they are, I think. I think that of one of the two picks, one of these guys is going to be marketable. One of the guys is going to be an offensive player. One of the guys that you're going to see everywhere, whether or not it's a quarterback or something. Now, if he goes offensive tackle, defensive lineman with those first two picks, that may tamper a lot of the enthusiasm around the fandom, but there's A, not a lot to begin with. B, most people don't really care who our quarterback is because they just think the whole team just sucks. Yeah. And C, we everybody wants it to be better. Like we want to be excited about the team. Yeah. And with two early first round picks, they're going to be able to push that we're getting better. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I do think that, you know, I don't know. I think this fan base has been through enough. Uh, over the last three years to where I think all of the disparity and issues that everybody has, I think they're all legitimate. If I'm being honest, you know, I I can understand, you know, I can understand the quarterback crowd. I can understand the defensive crowd, the trade back crowd. The, I just want to do what's whatever the team wants to do and whatever's right for the team crowd. I I see all sides of it. And I agree with pretty much every single one of them to an extent. Right. Um, But ultimately I think, I don't know if if the fan base will ever be united. I oh, really just be. wanted to have a com- have a conversation about you know is, is there a way and you know I just wanted it was the first topic I thought about when uh, Brandon had to reschedule the talk uh, or the interview. But um, hopefully he doesn't drop um, mid interview on us and just leave. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, yeah, that won't. Happen. I don't know. I'm just my, kidding. My, that don't, my that doesn't just... happen here. I mean, my point just goes back to, again, I'm not, I'm not trashing anybody, and I don't mean to say. Oh, I know. I, th- I don't think anybody. I does. just, it's just, I think right now everybody's just it wants to be angry. They want something to talk about. Like, you, if you just, if you're online a lot, coming out of the draft, there's going to be some angry people, no matter what. 
But if you just talk to like the regular fans and things like that, you know, like most of them are just gonna be like, we'll see, they suck. We'll see, they're horrible. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna, their general opinion of the team isn't gonna change over the draft. Right. For us hardcore people, there's not gonna be a situation where everybody's like, oh, they did the right thing. They could trade a six round pick, get Trey Lance coming in, draft two very good players, well, maybe if one of them's Bijan, uh, Bijan, because a Texas guy, we all love Texas guys. Maybe well, and Nick loves be... Texas guys too. Let's yeah. just be honest. Not Texas in general, not UT, but just local guys. Yeah, yeah. He's a fan. But that may, because most of us, most of us, except for you, actually do have a very soft spot for anybody local. Um, <laughs> I mean, I somewhat do. I don't, I don't necessarily hate local, but I. I no, I, you I, don't hate. You don't hate local. You just don't let it impact. I your, don't. Your I don't let it impact. Yeah, like. No. Well, that's kind of like the exception for the most part for everybody. We, as, as a fandom, like if there's a guy that comes from UT or Houston or whatnot from the area, people are usually a lot more excited about them, especially UT. So other than that, and again, coming away with just like an absolute steal for Trey Lance, like most of the fandom is going to be upset no matter what, if you just go based on the Twitter reaction. Oh, they should have done this, or they should have done that. And I hope they're not. Um, I I don't want people to be toxic about it. I hope whomever they do end up drafting, people can kind of get behind, and we can just hope that it's the right pick. Like, I want to get, I really hope that as a fandom and as creators or whatever you want to call everybody out there, is we can start looking at the positives of what we come out come away with instead of getting super upset they didn't do what i wanted them to do yeah yeah i i agree look at the end of the day i think it's and this is the funniest part about like the divide is everybody wants the same thing Mm -hmm. everybody everybody just wants this team to be better every team everybody just wants this team to be competent and competitive Everybody, I think another like thing that was added was everybody wants D'Amico to be set up for success and to be mm-hmm. the future head coach of this team. Um, and, you know, everybody just has their different ways of doing it. My way is build the roster, grab the quarterback when the roster is built. Others is grab the quarterback, waste his rookie contract, but then, you know, hopefully you're ready to compete in three years. You know, like there, there's just all these different ways to do it. And none of them are right. None of them are wrong. It's all dependent on what the plan is in NRG and what they want to do and whichever path they go, they could go a combination of the two, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, there's so many different ways to go about building a competitive team and a roster that, you know, I think we're all dug into what we think. I, I, I understand like, even with my thought of building up the roster, if they believe AR is going to be a top five quarterback, you take them at two. If they believe C.J. Stroud is going to be a top five quarterback, you take them at two because those chances don't come very often. See, people get it confused. They say you don't have the opportunity to grab a quarterback often. I disagree. In the history of the draft, you have seen you've seen teams move up from 26, 17, all the way to one or two. You've seen a team with no first round picks move up to 12 to land their their future franchise quarterback. 
the opportunity is there. I, I do believe quarterback purgatory is actually a, a media created narrative, in my opinion. They bring up the Colts and, and and commanders, but yet don't bring up the fact that, you know, the commanders drafted Dwayne Haskins and it didn't work. And that the Colts mm-hmm. had opportunities to draft quarterbacks, but decided to go with Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, and everybody, Jacoby Brissett, and everybody, Matt Ryan, right? So there have been opportunities. It's if you are convicted enough to believe that that prospect is going to be the guy, you move heaven and earth to go grab him. And I don't believe that Nick thinks any of these guys are, except for maybe AR, are that guy to be a top five quarterback. And I think that's fair. And if that's the case, he either takes AR or he doesn't take a quarterback. And I can understand the side of not taking AR. Um, So, you know, it's an interesting place. I'm so glad that we only have six days left uh, to (laughs) honestly, like, like get past the draft. I I, I don't know another time where this has felt like I was talking when I was talking to Sean Pendergast, I was like, man, this is like Christmas for when you're, when you're a kid, like when you're 10, you can't wait for Christmas, but from Thanksgiving to Christmas, you're dying. Every day you're dying. You just can't wait. You want it to be here. Dude, this has felt like it's been forever. And uh, I don't ever want to go through this again. You know, I mean, I, I, I totally understand that. I think number two is actually probably the worst pick that we could have had because it's so contingent on just one other team. Like, I, I, don't, I don't mean this from a franchise building. I mean it from an anticipation type deal. We can have any player on the Texans except for one. And that one is, of course, the guy that everybody's going to be like, that's the guy I want. That's the guy we need. That's the guy that's the franchise changer. And this year, with all the situations around it, like the Panthers trading everything to go get that number one pick, it's just been – now, having the second pick this year has felt awful. It's felt divided. It's really felt dividing. And I, somebody, I'm, I'm trying to find the tweet, but they kind of nailed it. It's like last year when we were talking about quarterbacks, they were like, hey, can't wait until look at these guys. Look at how great they are. Like, there's this is going to be a great uh, quarterback class. Yeah. And then we get here and we're like, no, this is a horrible quarterback class. Let's wait till next year. And it's like rinse and repeat. And I think there's absolutely some truth to that. The closer you get, like you're going to sit there and you're going to start nitpicking everything. There, it's, it's a little bit like everybody's going afraid of having buyer's remorse. Yeah. And having first and second round or first and second pick remorse. Like that's where we're at. Now, with quarterback positions, I actually respect what both the commanders and the Colts have done because they're going out. They're not in, they're being aggressive and they're trying to find a quarterback. But I would say that they're not being aggressive enough. Like I think that finding a quarterback is almost the same key that you want in that quarterback where you want them to be hyper aggressive, but smart. And you have to have that same mentality with your GM when you're trying to find a quarterback, be hyper aggressive, but smart. Like don't throw away picks on the safe guy, throw away and be aggressive to get the guy that you want. And if there's legitimately not a quarterback that they want, don't draft one just to take one. Because you look at the history of these these quarterbacks taking second and so forth. Like a lot of these guys feel like they were the quarterback that was taken because they had to take a quarterback and they weren't the quarterback the team wanted. Yep. And yep. that's why they washed out. 
Yep. No, I I agree. Look, uh, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about it yesterday, and I think there's an argument to be made that the Texans actually control the draft. And it's funny because the narrative around the Panthers trading for number one was because they wanted to control the draft. But everybody knew that the Panthers were going to take a quarterback. If mm-hmm. you look at Chicago when they had one, nobody knew what, what Chicago was going to do if they didn't trade. Could have been a quarterback, could have been Will Anderson, could have been Jalen Carter. There, there were there could have been a left tackle because they need offensive line help. Like nobody knew what the Bears were going to do, but everybody knows what Carolina is going to do. And if you think about the conversation that's happening right now, nobody knows what the Texans are going to do. They penciled in a quarterback six months ago. That seems to have gone away, at least with the media narrative and everywhere else. Nobody knows what the Texans are going to do it to. And I think ultimately Nick has the ability and the, and, and the, the power to be able to really dictate a lot of things in this draft. And there's ways that he can come out of this looking even better than he has in the past, as far as trades go and things of that nature. Um, because at two, since we know that Carolina is taking on a quarterback, if they don't love one of these quarterbacks, if they're not convicted enough to actually go grab one or they don't believe that one of the quarterbacks is going to be valued the way that they value him and they think that he could be available at 12. Nick can easily trade that pick for a very similar haul to what Carolina gave up and not move back as far. Right. On draft night, if you look, when you look at trade value for trading up to grab a quarterback, that market is increased because they're grabbing their franchise guy. You're going to get more because they're grabbing a quarterback. Raiders, Falcons, they could eat the, the Texans could easily trade back with one of those two teams. They could also trade back with the Colts. I've been saying it for a long time. I don't think an in-division trade is off the table. It's all about the offer. What offer can Nick get from the Colts? And I don't think DeForest Buckner's moving the needle. He's 31. Um, we're talking about we're not we're not we're not there where we need DeForest Buckner. Right. And, and he's gonna cost I'm, I'm, and I'm and I'm gonna pull something in from Chris Barboza. Like CJ Stroud, if his guaranteed ceiling was golf, I don't want him because that's not where the Texans are. Like that's that's the problem I think with having the number two pick and the problem with trying to evaluate these quarterbacks right now. Which one of these guys can come into a team that is not quite there and push them over the edge? And which one of these guys can be a pro bowler with a team that is ready for a quarterback? Like, that's the differentiation that you have to make with the guys and hope they don't bust. Like, some guys, if you are a quarterback that if you have the right situation, you can be an all-pro and you come into the Texans, you're going to bust. Yeah. You have to – the guy, the quarterback that they take has to be the quarterback that can come in and elevate the players around them. Yep. And yeah, and if you look at golf, I mean, if you look at golf, John, like when has he been great? No, I don't know. If great's right ever, players. I don't know if great's ever been his word though. I don't think mm-hmm. it, I don't think anybody's ever described even in the perfect situation with the right players. I don't think anybody's ever felt that Jared Goff is great. I think a lot of people have felt Jared Goff is good. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is saying even with the Lions, Jared Goff is good. He is in a very good spot with the Lions. If this team was ready to compete and had playmakers and the offensive scheme is what we think it might be, you could take golf at two 
because you're going to be all right at that point. But you shouldn't. You still shouldn't. <laughs> you still shouldn't take off it too. But you can because the team. This team is not in a place where that's how it should be. If you're taking Goff at two, that's a wasted pick. Right. That I mean, that's that's kind of my my opinion too. Like we and but here's the thing. That is also the part. How do you really truly differentiate that that sort of quarterback? The guy that needs the team versus the guy that can elevate the team. And that's like, the tough part. That is. I don't. I think that's why you see some of these later round quarterbacks end up doing so well uh, or not later in the first round um, is because they were able to elevate the team around them. And you didn't pick up on that in, in college for whatever reason. I agree. And you just, you really don't know. And I honestly feel that the teams that have to take, the take quarterbacks with the number two pick, there's always too many. It almost feels like it's the forced pick. And that would actually be my issue with it. Um, like that, it feels like it's the forced pick. Like CJ Stroud, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Texans take him, but I do feel like that's the forced pick. I think I, don't, John, I, I, I think that as long as it's not, I, I well, I think that if Will uh, Levis is taking number two, that may burn the city to the ground. But it, it's the same sort of thing. Like that's still like the forced pick. Yeah, I think John. You know, one of the, one of the biggest reasons I've missed having you on the show is is the balance, and also the times to like tell me and validate what I'm thinking is accurate. And I've just been screaming, "Don't force a quarterback! I, don't force it! Just don't!" At the end of the day, pencil in an, it as a need. That's fine. It is. It is. It is a need, but don't force that pick. Yeah. As many times as for every person that's going to say, hey, you're not going to have the opportunity to pick at two again. You also don't know if you're going to have the opportunity to add a franchise level player at two again outside of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Those two go are equal. Which one do you want to have a better chance of getting it right or just taking a quarterback because you need one? And, and ultimately, when I think of Nick Casario and the way that he talks, the way he views the stock market and compares the way of that affecting, you know, how he effectively runs a, a NFL franchise, things of that nature. He's risk adverse unless, you know, he believes that that risk is going to be, if he has some form of data that's going to tell him that risk is going to pay off, he's not going with it. And I don't like the idea of forcing a quarterback. And that's something I've been saying, but everybody tells me, no, you got to take one. You got to take one. You got to take one. So that is not how the NFL works. And yeah, the ones I, that and the teams that do do that end up never being a competitive, consistent team. The Jets, you know, all these other teams that you can name, the Dolphins, right? Like, so I, I'm glad that we're on the same page. I mean, us, it's true. The Browns, like, it's so sad you know, that we're in that category. You know, um, it really is. But it's the thing about, like, I get it, and it's it's this weird thing where you're trying to balance both mindsets that I think takes it. You have to get a quarterback. You have to go get a quarterback. Right. Like you have to go through them. Like you can't sit there and you try and you can't try and bargain basement, the quarterback position. Or like I was saying, like two seconds, I'm going to use the Colts as a, as, as an example, they sat there and they were a quarterback away for about two years. Like they had the South, they had the team that if they had the right quarterback and they went after Matt Ryan. They went after Philip Rivers. These are bargain basement safe picks. These are 
these are veterans that were supposed to be safe picks and they were a quarterback away where what would have been the smarter move? Like, I don't know if there necessarily was a smarter move, but they were bargain basement. It. But I do get the fact that they were sitting there trying to go get one, yeah. even if it was bargain basement. And I am scared of that where you're kind of stuck. Like you have to go out there and you have to try and find one, but go out there and get the one that you really want. Like that is essentially my opinion. If we are sold, if Nick Casario is sold that CJ Stroud is the quarterback that he really wants, that he's not being forced into that pick. If we are sure that the coaching staff is like, this is the guy we want, go get him. Like whatever it takes, go get him. But if you're like, oh, we just need a quarterback. I think this guy's safe. Don't play that game. Cause if you just think he's safe, if you just think that this is the least risk adverse one, or this is what we have to do. Like, that's when I feel like it doesn't work out. And again, it's all feelings. Like it's not really even necessarily facts. It's just feelings. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, we're all, we're all fans. Uh, we're not, we're not any different. I, I hope that we don't treat you guys like some of the other people in the, you know, I guess technically media or whatever, where we come off elitist with our thoughts. I, we want to have an engaging conversation. I'm here to learn from everybody. It's not, we're not, we don't know it all. Um, we, we may know some, but but we don't know it all. And I think this should be a place where people are able to come and actually have a conversation without it being an aggressive, uh, demeaning conversation about shitting on somebody else's ideas or, or theories and thought process on how the team can improve. At the end of the day, I said it earlier, we all want the same thing. Um, and, and that is why we're here. That's why you guys are here you know, in the comments and watching the channel. And, you know, we all, all want that exact thing. Um, who cares if you're right? It, you know, this is a, this is a world where we're wrong more often than we're right. It's just the way it works, whether it be work, personal, family, relationships, marriage, it doesn't matter. Friendships. Let go of the ego. I, I don't care if I'm right. If they go the path of taking a quarterback at two, I don't, I, you know, i really don't care. What I do care about is this team actually putting their shit together and, giving us wins on Sunday. That's what I ultimately care about. And if they do it, holding teams to zero points on defense and they win a Super Bowl doing that, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I really don't give yeah. a shit. I, I mean, yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. Like, And ultimately for me, it's not even, it's not even like I want the Texans to be good. But I want the Texans to be fun. I want the community to be fun. That is ultimately... What was the last time where... it was fun, John? that's that's the thing that's the problem like and i know that one of your comments last week got blown up but ultimately i think i I, and i didn't even watch your apology i'm sorry so you may have already said this i did apologize i think i I don't know go ahead (laughs) but i ultimately my thing is like nobody's having fun anymore nobody like texans twitter texans youtube like there's not the hope there's not the having there's not even the we don't we're not even we're not as tortured as browns fans where we can have that sadistic humor about it not yet. yet we're not there and i hope we don't get there but at the same time we aren't having any fun or any optimism or any hope instead we're just doubling down on look at what they did wrong look at what they did wrong look what they did wrong and for me ultimately that's part of the reason why i had to take a break it's just not fun like losing it's isn't really what kills it Losing, we've been through losing seasons. We had a podcast and we talked every week and we actually talked probably more during that losing season because we had hope. We had things to look forward to. 
we had a good community. There was things that we weren't just belly aching all the time. Like we weren't just complaining and, and feeling like we knew more than the Texans front office. Now, granted, this is one of those fandoms that I totally get where that attitude comes from because fans have actually been more accurate than our front office on way too many occasions, which is kind of sad. In our front office, I think Reverse McCown actually pointed out. um, It was a great article he wrote yesterday. Points out that they they have a very paternalistic attitude towards everything. They've always had that. Um, This is something that came from from Bob McNair. And that may be the one lesson that Cal, Cal learned is they don't hold people accountable and they think they know more. And that's why I made the comment about Hannah McNair. If she's in there saying, hey, hold these people accountable, that's awesome. Well, if she's in there making football decisions, that's bad. We're fucked. But if she's, yeah, we're fucked. But if she's in there saying, hey, do something, get people, if she's actually pushing I believe that's what for accountability, doing. which is what I think she's doing, like she definitely comes across as somebody who gets what she wants. Um, if that's what's going on, that's a good thing because I don't think either McNair has really had that attitude yet. Yeah, I also like they wanted they wanted like, to do it right, but they think their idea of right is what's right, not necessarily. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think Hannah. You know, I talked about her a couple months ago when when. Um, before D'Amico was hired and when D'Amico was hired, I, I think Hannah is very much the, I I think she is very much the common sense, logical person that is willing to say and do what is needed to hold an individual accountable within that building. That's honestly what I think. I, I don't think they're going to pick the number two pick. I think that they're going to question the number two pick. I think she's going to ask questions and, you know, put Nick and, and, and D'Amico up against a wall and say, is this the guy? And if so, why? And what is the plan? Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately that's just a check and balance, right? Every, every organization needs that. I don't believe what she's doing is Nick and D'Amico present their picket too. And she says, no, 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 that is not the picket too. We are going C.J. Stroud. I, I I don't see that being the case. I believe she is just doing what she's supposed to do. She's assertive. She is a woman that gets what she wants. And she's fucking smart as shit. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if anybody goes and does her their research on Hannah McNair, she's not just some really rich housewife that she is. She's not a trophy super, wife. No, she is not. She is super intelligent. She's the way she handles uh, press and the way she interacts with the media she you know i've heard so many stories from media members about how mm-hmm. she is approachable and wants to have conversations and be engaging hannah mcnair is what this front office needs and i hope that i am right and i believe i am right that she is not the one that's coming and saying this is what we're doing i think what she is is, is an extension of cal and i think her and cal have these conversations because cal's safe with hannah and mm-hmm. he can say what he thinks because he doesn't have the personality to come in and do, hey, this, hey, that, hey, this, hey, that. Hannah, on the other hand, does have that. So the communication between the two comes. Then Hannah comes in and and, and uh, basically finishes it up and, and follows through to ensure it happens. So I, I'm all for it. But – and we'll never know. We'll never know who picks yeah. it. Oh, yeah. We really won't. We really won't. But I believe Hannah's doing the right thing, and ultimately I think that's what it boils down to. All right, I think we both have to get to work. Uh, what do you got before to tie a bow on this? Uh, what do you got before? It looks like uh, 
looks like I just got a tweet from uh, one of the people in the media and YouTube that I guess somebody put out a, a video about us, uh, some other content creator. Uh, I mean, interesting. <laughs> oh, it's the one, it's the one where Matt, uh, the content creator that Matt Miller just pretended that he had bad weather and dropped off in the middle of an interview. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, dude. Um, what else you got? Tie the bow. This, I mean, I'll do, we'll do another show, I think before the draft. Um, but you have the kids next week, I'm assuming. Um, I have the next weekend, but I should be able to. Should we go watch the draft somewhere on Thursday? Yeah, I think that would be fun. Do something on, on Thursday. Or, or maybe you come over and we'll smoke a brisket or, or, and we'll just chill and watch, watch. Yeah. I mean, let's figure something we'll out. We'll figure it out. Like, we'll figure yeah. it out. And I mean, if we go we'll someplace, we'll, we'll, we'll put it on Twitter if anybody else wants to, to come out. But ultimately all I want is I just want, I want hope again. Yeah. <laughs> that's really all I want hope and optimism um that's what the fandom's really been missing and I get it and I get why but that's what I'm tired of like let's just get some hope get some optimism get back to having fun and not be addicted to being angry and not be addicted to saying hey they should have done this not get this whole should have no or should have could have would have attitude because ultimately no one really knows how any of this is going to work out. No one does. If we did, I wouldn't be sitting here on a, on our little, you know, podcast YouTube channel. I'd be working for an NFL franchise. If I knew how this was going to work out and every content creator, every person that puts out news, every fandom should actually kind of remember that. Like if you actually knew, if you were that right, if you were that spot on with all your avowals, you wouldn't be, on Twitter, you'd be working for a franchise making a really good paycheck. Yeah, that's very, very true. All right. Um, well, with that being said, uh, next week I will have Brandon from S2 Cognitive um, or Cognition on. Um, John and I will likely do some, we'll probably give our final predictions, I would assume, at some point next week before the draft, just to ensure that you guys have some content. Um, and then, you know, if for some reason life happens and we don't talk to you before the draft, which I don't see, um, I hope you guys all enjoy it. I hope you guys all are right somehow, some way. <laughs> Not sure there's a scenario where that happens, yeah. but I hope I hope I hope it does. I think Bijan might be the unified choice at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, get out there. The weather looks fantastic, um, and we'll catch you guys next week. And that's it. Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week.